That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. This is part two of my two-part interview with Rob Leshak, who wrote a very interesting book, and I don't just say that because I'm mentioned in it, but the book is called There Once Was a Show from Nantucket, A Complete Guide to the TV Sitcom Wings. And last week, if you missed last week's show, after you listen to this one, go back and check that out. But uh, last week we talked a little bit about the history of Wings with Rob, and we're going to continue this week. A lot more stories. We'll talk about uh, when I directed my very first episode and... uh, a number of mishaps and things that occurred, including me pulling a big prank on NBC. (laughs) So that's this week. Uh, If you love wings and a lot more people love wings than than the TV Academy ever knew. Anyway, so Rob Leshek, part two, this week on Hollywood and Levine. Let's talk a little bit about where they are now. God bless her. Rebecca must be in her 90s. She's she's 91. Uh, She's quoted in the book. She was uh, a joy to talk to. Uh, In fact, uh, in in the first part of the book, when I describe the characters and all their little idiosyncrasies and and certain facts about them, when I showed that to her, what I had written, uh, and she, she thanked me for writing, she said she had forgotten so many of the characteristics of her character. She hadn't watched the show in a while. And uh, she got to see it again. Uh, Antenna TV ran for the 30th anniversary back in April of 1990, Mm -hmm. uh, an entire marathon to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the show's debut. And she hadn't seen the episodes in a long time, and she said they were as as fresh as ever. They held up well, and she really loves the wedding episode best, the one where uh, Joe... gets his hand stuck in the toilet trying to retrieve Helen's ring. And she said that one uh, especially made her laugh after all these years. She had forgotten so much about the show and was, was uh, tickled to see it again and getting some attention for the 30th anniversary. And um, she's still working. She was on wing, working. Not Wings, uh, Suits. Suits, yeah. She had a long run there. Uh, she only yeah, works on shows with one-word titles. She, she said if they ever... There was talk about a year ago before COVID hit of a reunion of, of some kind of reboot of wings. And she said she would definitely have been part of it, uh, had it, had it happened, but that kind of fell by the wayside. Yes. Unfortunately, David Schramm left us. Yes. Yes. Never yeah, got to talk a to him. Lovely guy. And what about Crystal Bernard? There's somebody I could not find. Uh, 
kind of uh, keeps to herself, and that's that's you know her prerogative. Uh, also, Tom Hayden Church, I wasn't able to uh, get in touch with about. Well, the show. from what I understand, Tom. They both live in Texas. Right. Well, you go to Texas, and you're never heard from again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Tommy, I think, is developing a series for some network. Okay. Based on a book, and I think he's doing it with Rob Long, who is a former Cheers producer. Well, he was also in uh, that divorce series that lasted. Right, with Sarah Jessica Parker. Right, right. Right. Um, but, yeah, I wasn't able to get in touch with either of those. Um, I think Amy Yazbek has taken a break. I wasn't able to get to her. But I did talk to Tim Daly. I talked to Stephen Weber. And uh, they, uh, Tim does his, his daily show, which is a YouTube show, which is very funny. Uh, and sometimes he has Stephen Weber on there. They're very close to this day. They were close 30 years ago, and they've remained close. Uh, Rebecca Shaw, Farrah Forky lives in Texas. Uh, probably the nicest person I've ever interviewed. She was just absolutely amazing. And you had a great story about uh, when she was on uh, Lois and Clark. Yes, your daughter. Uh, which you, you put in the book. Um, yes, yes. I love that At the time, she, this was after Wings. Hey, there's a series after yeah, Wings. After Wings. <laughs> <laughs> Get that book ready. Yeah, uh, yeah. It'll <laughs> work as Jamie well as Farr? after. It'll work as well as after Mash. <laughs> yeah. Where's Jamie Farr? <laughs> but uh, she played a character on Lois and Clark, and at the time, I would watch that with my daughter Annie, who was very young at the time, and they killed off. Farrah's character and my daughter was very upset so I called Farrah and explained the situation and said would you talk to my daughter and tell her you're okay <laughs> which she did that's great which was which was really nice very yeah. sweet she She's was a, sweet a sweetheart one. all of and them what's interesting is uh, my book has gotten some of the cast together. I feel really good about this because some of the people I had interviewed, which is almost a hundred different people for the book had asked me, would you please pass along my email address to such and such person? And they've connected and they stayed in touch all because of my book. And I, that, that's, that's a, that's a great compliment. No, that's I love, terrific. I love that. I love that. There's, an, there's another episode with uh, a character named Kyle Vane. Uh, who, who was the recipient of some love letters from somebody named R. This was very late in the show's run. Kyle Vane is the name of uh, Chris Vane's son, who had written some of the episodes, and he, he worked on the, the latter seasons of, Cheer, of, Cheers, of Wings. And um, his son never knew that he was the subject of that episode until I reminded Chris in talking to him and he told his son about it and had him sit down and watch the episode. And, and Kyle Vane was absolutely tickled to see an entire episode with his name in it. He never knew until I brought it up and it wound up in the book, which is, which is just great. It's great what the book has done. It's you know, the, the reunited reason to write these shows is so that you can have all these little inside jokes right. so that your kids don't hate you. Well, a lot of the characters, uh, there's, there's um, the wedding episode where... The tuxedos that Brian brings back for Joe to put on for the, for the wedding ceremony uh, are listed not as Hackett, but as Hackle. It's an inside joke for Dave Hackle. Hackle had already left by that time, but 
they were using a lot of inside stuff. There's there's one where uh, there's a character named Bobby Lasco who was somebody's teacher at one time in one of the epi- in, in in their school days. Um, Dave Hackle told me he used a lot of names from people from his kindergarten years, and these people would actually see and hear their name and have a little bit of immortality when they saw the episodes years later. Uh, and it, it's, a, it's a great vehicle. Gary Marshall did a lot of that, too, in, in his shows. Yeah, we did a lot of that, uh, my partner David Isaacs and I. Uh, oftentimes, we would use names of former girlfriends or girls from high school who <laughs> wouldn't go out with me so that when they see their name on MASH or Cheers or wherever, that they go, oh, my God, I'm living in a trailer park. Uh, I should have gone out with this guy. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> That's right. Again, the only, reason, the only reason we got into writing in the first place is to get girls, is to impress girls. <laughs> Did it work? <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> uh, I was doing fine until after MASH. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and that'll then do it. it. Well, that'll I noticed in your book, there was an episode that David and I wrote called Noses Off. Yes. And we were on the set for the, uh, the run-throughs, and we were on the set show night. And I remember talking to an actress who had a guest star role who played a nurse and she was very nice. And I didn't realize until reading your book that that was, what's her name? Lana Clarkson. Lana Clarkson. She was the woman who Phil Spector shot and killed. Yes. Yes. A lot of people didn't realize that. Yeah. That was her sadly. Very weird. Yes. We'll get back to wings in a moment, but first a word from my new sponsor, Magic Spoon Cereal. And it's a miracle that I am still alive, considering the crap that I used to eat as a kid. And I love breakfast cereals, and why not? Every one was just filled with marshmallow bits and candy and red dye number 12 and cocoa powder, and everything was drenched in sugar. And yeah, it's real fun, except it's terrible for you. And so at some point, you wake up and you discard those breakfast cereals. But you miss them. You really do. And now, with Magic Spoon, you can have all the fun of those colorful, flavorful cereals, except it's healthy for you. That's right. It's absolutely healthy because Magic Spoon has no sugar, 11 grams of protein, and only 3 net grams of carbs in each and every serving. Four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry, which is my personal favorite. It tastes unbelievably good. It is keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. And you got to try it. So let me give you a website and a way to go and check it out and also get a nice little deal. You go to magicspoon.com slash Hollywood to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use the promo code Hollywood at checkout to save $5 off your order. Okay, that is magicspoon.com slash Hollywood. And again, use the code Hollywood to get $5 off. Off Magic Spoon Cereal. You are going to love waking up in the morning. Okay, well, maybe that's gone too far, but you're going to enjoy eating it. 
What's your favorite episodes? And I you're lo- not obligated to say that they're <laughs> one that, All the ones that, that you wrote. And I yes. <laughs> wrote or, or one that I directed. Uh, the one that always tickles me is called um, Murder She, not, not Murder She Wrote. Um, it's the one with Maury Povich. Okay. Where Brian is staying over at Faye's house. Murder She Roast is the name of it. Um, Brian is staying at Faye's house because the house that he lives in with Joe is being fumigated. So he's staying there and he's watching his favorite show, uh, one of these uh, fugitives from justice type shows hosted by Maury Povich. And the character that they are showing, they're looking for is, is a woman who had murdered several people and um, she has great resemblance to Faye. If, when they age generate her picture. So uh, he's staying with Faye, and suddenly he's, he's very fearful of being around her. And uh, in the episode of the show, uh, the woman kills one man with a leg of lamb. Faye just happens to have a leg of lamb in the freezer. And it just all mushrooms, and it, it, it's very well put together and, and very fun. I also love uh, the episode uh, where Roy's character is performing the national anthem at the Red Sox game and, and faints. Mm-hmm. That, that's wonderful. And that, that it, it just builds and plays. And then he goes back again and they think he's going to actually get through the song and he doesn't. And he, he fails again and embarrasses himself for a second time. There were just so many great ones. I even love the, the, the pilot just sets everything up so well. The exposition for all the characters, you know, all the characters from that very first episode, which is called legacy where uh, the, fighting Hackett brothers get back together because of their father's will. And they both have to be present when they read the will and, and uh, his legacy. And just every, every one of those episodes has something memorable and, and some more than others, but I, I made a list of my, some I don't favorites. remember at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you were there. But I was there. <laughs> I was there. That's my joke. And, and when you left, you went to Frazier. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Went to Frazier and uh, created our own shows. Yes, yes. In fact, your like... next book is going to be uh, <laughs> Big Wave Dave's, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I talked to a lot of people on that show for, for my 90s short live sitcom book. Patrick Breen is, is quoted in there, and uh, I forget who else. Somebody else who was on that show. Um, Adam Arkin, was... Jane Kaczmarek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it warrants I... a, an entire book. I I even have episodes. COVID's not going away. No. That soon. <laughs> when are you going to get the one. vaccine? It's probably not for months. <laughs> no, you're right. You could do the uh, episode guide in an afternoon. You got it. How many? Was it 13? 13 episodes? Six. Six. Oh, really? Oh, yes. okay. Yeah. Even easier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, could, that could be a short story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can get 250 pages out of that, can't you? Sure, sure. Uh, it was it was interesting how much I got from Wings, uh, 430 pages, which is which is fun. So wow, well, you really did your research, and you have like glossary yes. of a lot of the, <laughs> the terms, terminology. There were, that... there were times when we would want to sound accurate. We'd be in the room and want to talk about some airplane piece or something and <laughs> we were just you know and make it up 
hand me the Virginia dagger. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think it needs oiling. Like, we don't know what the hell we're talking about. But it's in the glossary. <laughs> it's in the glossary. Yeah. Where was your glossary? <laughs> <laughs> I had my index, my appendix removed, but the glossary is still there. It's intact. Well, it was very fun. In the last episode, they invited all of the writers and directors and different people to come back and be extras. And so there's a you're, scene You're where, sitting at the counter, right? Yeah, my partner and I are sitting at the counter. And we get up and leave. Ooh. We, we cross. Ooh. So there, there's actual movement. <laughs> One take? Yeah. It's on my reel. It okay. is my reel. <laughs> and Dave Hackles in that. Uh, Dave Hackles. the stage. A lot of the writers were there. A lot of the you know the people you wouldn't know their 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 faces, but you right. know the names from the credits. Right. When you watch that episode, just look in the background, and all of the people who look like they haven't slept in a week. Those are the writers. Those are the writers. <laughs> That's great. There's also some terrific directors associated with. Oh Wayne. my goodness! Yes. Yeah, Andy Ackerman, who mm-hmm. later went on to direct like a couple of seasons of Seinfeld and right. has directed many, many great shows. No, no Pitlick, great name. Yes. No Pitlick was the director early on and he had been the director for Barney Miller and right. had won an Emmy and also an actor. And again, taken from us way too soon, but the, the, the greatest name in Hollywood, Noam Pitlick. And he, he hated those posts in, in the, the terminal because he had tr- trouble with his camera shots. That was his one gripe about uh, that I heard from so many people, that he hated those, those pillars. It, it was an unwieldy set. Yes, large. It, it, it really levels. was. Yeah. yeah. Some people liked it. Len, Lenny Garner, another director, loved the size of it. Other, other, ones, other directors said, eh, it could have been a little smaller. It was a little unwieldy, like you said. Yeah, the problem is if somebody was way in the back, you had trouble getting cameras in on them. Mm-hmm. So when people came in, like, from the tarmac, they had to, like, walk deep into the set before you could really get good eyes on the characters. And, right. you know, there weren't places, like, if you look at the Frasier living room, which was designed by the the same guy, Roy Christopher. Right. There are ports, which means along the sides of the set, there are like a couple of slats that you can open the slat. You can bring the camera around and point it right through that slack so you can have somebody almost on the balcony on that Frasier set. But there was nowhere that you could do that on the wings set and you couldn't bring the cameras too far in because of Helen's counter and because of Faye's counter. So right. yeah, it was, it was tough at times. And that second level had to be tough getting a camera up there and uh, using the we crane. We never used the second level. <laughs> rarely, rarely did we right. ever use the, the second level. A couple of times uh, they went to the lockers in, in one scene. Yeah, I know uh, they, ha- they do it at the, at the beginning, I think in the pilot. Right. Of course, they, they could afford a crane back then, and they did it <laughs> Not uh, a for the crane. last episode, I remember. Right, when they throw the money off the... They throw the money down, which is, which is really a, a great shot. 
Uh, there's, but, one, there's another episode where Helen is sitting on the stairs, uh, smoking, uh, wondering how to get a, money for a cello because she's, <laughs> it had been in the plane crash and she lost it. And she wanted to right. continue her music career. Uh, there are several others, but even if the cameras weren't up there, it's still, the stairs still went to that second level. You could still see the person up there, even if the cameras weren't up there. Because right. the stairs, right. unlike most sitcoms, the stairs actually led somewhere. It wasn't an imaginary set of stairs that just ended you know, like on most right. sitcoms, when they went upstairs to go to the bedroom the, the stairs ended there was nothing up there and if you went to watch a taping actually a filming of wings which was on stage 19 at paramount where they did happy days happy days lots of i remember ghost i remember being there watching them film ghost wow um but, you know, you look at the set and it looks magnificent. And there's the whole upstairs and lockers and all kinds of stuff. But on TV, you never saw it because in order to get the whole set in one shot, the camera had to be in Altadena. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there, was, there was a lot. Well, there were three different counters, too. There was Roy's right. counter, there was Helen's counter, and Faye's counter. But one uh, one of the directors said he liked it in that no matter where the camera was focused, you could still see the other actors doing their jobs in the background. They they weren't absent from it. They were still there as part of the scene. Even though they're in the periphery and a little blurry, uh, they're still there. Like if, if they're focused on Helen, you could sometimes still see Roy at his counter working and vice versa. Right. I'll let you in on a little secret. Actors hate that. Because they, they, okay. they can't relax. They can't it's like, relax. Uh, it's like if they're not in a scene, they right. don't want to be there. Right, right. They don't want to be extras in a scene, <laughs> <laughs> in a 10-minute scene between right. Joe and Brian, and you got Helen making omelets. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love some of the little things that you really have to watch, like um, packages of Weber's white bread behind Helen. Mm-hmm. Stephen Weber, things you wouldn't normally see unless you're, you're watching a marathon or actually focused upon each episode, watching the DVDs for a book. Um, little things like uh, in the magazine rack, magazines named Wings that you wouldn't normally see because the camera goes by so fast. But if you if you stop action, if you hit pause, you can, you can see these things. There's, there's lots of little things like that. Right. Little inside well, jokes. I have to say, I take great pride in the fact that the episode I directed, and again, it was my very first episode. I know which one. Uh, called, what, Portrait of a, of a Con, Con artist. artist. As a young man. As a young man. Okay. It was a Thomas Hayden Church episode. Right, right, right. But I think that episode was the very first time in the history a broadcast television where one of the lead characters <laughs> made a dick pic yeah. of himself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'm very proud of that. You as, saw that as in the book. Brian <laughs> took a dick pic, <laughs> not realizing that it was going to Helen's parents. Right. All the pictures were being mailed to Helen's parents, and they called it a hoo-ha. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> that was the word they used in the, in the it, you episode. know it was such a <laughs> such a pioneering move that there wasn't even the name yet no for it. no 
that's <laughs> that's how early in, in but i do mention i do in the, in the write up anthony weiner's career I do mention in the oh yeah Anthony, Anthony Weiner yes yeah. yes <laughs> I do mention in the write up for that episode the, the words dick pic was the first one so you get, yeah, you, thank get, you. You, get you, you get credit in the book for that thank you <laughs> thank you so much that goes on your resume <laughs> and one last thing about directing because I know we're bouncing around here but it was my first time and it happened to be a very difficult episode. And when I was finished, I got a call at home from Crystal Bernard saying, you know, you did a great job and thanks so much. And it was really fun to have you this week. And it was really touching. It was really touching. That same episode? Yeah, for that episode. Yeah. And that's that's the the only wings I directed. And that's the one where she drops the cake. Yeah, she drops the cake, which was great. She <laughs> drops a birthday cake. And at the time, there was a Dick Clark blooper show. And they would use that all the time. And I would get like a $750 residual <laughs> Cha-ching. every time it aired. That's great. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank On you, the Helen. other hand, it's the very first scene that I ever direct. Oh, man. Okay, it's the very first scene. And we're like three minutes into the scene, and she comes out with a cake and drops the cake. Did did you know there was an alternate cake? Yes. Oh, Oh, they always do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They they always do that. Otherwise... The warm-up guy is is just going to have to vamp <laughs> to for twenty minutes while the PA goes to Ralph's, and <laughs> gets, gets another one, cake and hustles his ass back there. <laughs> it's like the episode with with the blimp that gets crushed in Joe's office. Mm-hmm. Old blimp. Uh, most people think there was only one. Tim Daly says there was probably another, but he never saw it. But uh, it was it was the imagination of the the two writers of the episode, and the poor props guy had to come up with this this flying blimp uh, in in time for the episode to be shot. But uh, hopefully, he came up with two. But they didn't need it; they they got it on the first shot when it's crushed behind the door. In the episode <laughs> I directed, actually, this this never made it to air. But um, Tony Shalhoub is like playing a guitar, and at one point. Uh, Rebecca Show Faye comes over. She's tired of hearing him sing, and she grabs the guitar and smashes it. <laughs> wow! And there was another guitar. There were like two. Good. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. And she screwed up the first one, and she screwed up the second one, and it Uh-oh. was like this is the this last is breakaway guitar and we shot this as a pickup so this was like 12 30 at night and everybody was like after, really tired and after the audience was gone yeah yeah and and she did it and it was great and then the show was long and they decided not to they use cut it. it anyway yeah <laughs> great all that well there's also an episode uh with with a with a baseball um the one with uh matthew fox early okay. early in the show's run um one of the writers, Bill Diamond, uh, had it autographed because, well, he didn't write that episode. It was Steve Levitan's first. 
the first he had written for television. And uh, so, so Bill Diamond grabbed it and had all the cast sign it. The, the, the entire episode was about uh, Joe's old high school baseball record being broken by this young phenom uh, played by Matthew Fox. And uh, so, so they did the episode. The audience was gone, but they had some pickups. And so there's this baseball that uh, they were going to give to Steve Levitan, all signed by the cast. And then they realized, oh, we have some scenes to do. Nobody, nobody really knew there was a second baseball available for those scenes because they couldn't use the one that had been signed. So it was, it was another case where, uh-oh, thank goodness the props guy had, a, had an alternate, had a backup. Right, because otherwise, again, the prop guy has to go to Dodger Stadium. He has to grab a mitt. <laughs> right. He has to sit there and hope catch he gets one. a foul ball. <laughs> the warm-up guy is talking for <laughs> two hours. As long as it's not a rainout. <laughs> <laughs> there was an episode where there was a snowball fight. Yes. Okay. I remember, <laughs> like, a special effects guy came up to the room and said, okay, well, we can build these, like, styrofoam balls, but uh, we can have, like, like a tiny charge in the middle so that when it hits something, then it kind of explodes, and it seems like, uh, you know, uh, an exploding snowball. And we were like, what? Just get Just use snowballs. <laughs> Just use what the real thing. What are you thing. talking about? <laughs> Just get <laughs> snowballs and throw them. There's enough. You'll always have more. <laughs> we need, you know, death charges and <laughs> stuff. Overthinking. <laughs> Tim, Tim Daly accused me of overthinking because his middle name on the, on the series was Montgomery. Mm-hmm. I always wondered about him. There's... A semi resemblance to Montgomery Clift, and I asked him about it, and he said, "Bob, you're overthinking this." <laughs> no, <laughs> that wasn't it. But he does. When I when I brought it up to uh, David Casey, uh, Peter Casey, and David Lee, they said, "You know, come to think of it, maybe that's what we were thinking," because he does kind of resemble a young Montgomery Clift, at least at least at that time in his career. <laughs> in the book, you have the origin and the backstory yes. for all these people. Who their parents were and <laughs> other relationships oh, oh. and everything. I never knew any of that. <laughs> well, the most fascinating. I never one knew any is, of it. The most fascinating is Tony Shalhoub's real life parents are named Joe and Helen, <laughs> in real uh. life, not on the show, but in in real life. And uh, when I told Stephen Weber that, he was absolutely floored. <laughs> Come on. He said, you're making that up. It's, it's, it's true. <laughs> well, I'll, I'm going to tell you one final story about directing my first episode. Usually we have a dress rehearsal like at 3 o'clock on the day that we're going to shoot the show. You have a 3 o'clock dress rehearsal, and then the actors go off and have dinner and get made up and the writers go back to the room and they may tweak a couple of lines here or there. (laughs) Wow. So this particular week, it's now 6.30. We're going to start filming at 7. And the audience is now being let in. And I get the new pages. Uh Uh-oh. They added a scene. Hasn't been blocked yet? Hasn't been blocked yet. Nothing. It was a scene between Casey and Tommy in the, uh, in the garage. Oh, no. In the, 
in the hangar. hangar. Yeah. With all of these weird, eclectic sculptures. <laughs> so I go to the cast. They're now all in the makeup room. And I said to them, look, we don't have a chance to block this for the or audience. Earth. We'll shoot it once. And then when the audience leaves, we'll go back and we'll put it together. So we're just going to slide through it once. And I basically said, okay, so Tommy, why don't you start out there and Casey, you come in. And at this point, maybe Tommy, why don't you cross around and just kind of see how it feels, whatever. So um, I told the camera guys, look, there's going to be this new scene. Same thing. We're going <laughs> to just shoot it once. And then when the audience leaves, we'll block it and, and put it together. So get what you get. <laughs> you know, I'd say to, to one of them, you're probably going to be on Casey. Said to the other, you're probably going to be <laughs> on Lowell. <laughs> kind of keep a two shot. They may walk around. What, get whatever you can get. And these guys are used to um, blocking and where the stand-ins are standing, go out with a measuring tape to see exactly where they are and how to focus the cameras. I mean, these guys are just perfectionists. Mm -hmm. So I also said to uh, Peter Casey was there that night. And I told Peter what we were going to do. And he said, fine. So we go and we shoot that scene. And there is a gentleman who is the NBC exec. And he's standing behind us. We're at the quad split, which is all four cameras. Right. So we can see what the cameras are seeing. We do this scene. And it is utter chaos <laughs> on the four cameras <sighs> it's like <laughs> you know blurs and noses and <laughs> people cut off <laughs> and it's your, your, your first time directing yeah it's just it's it just looks surreal okay so when you finish i go cut okay i'm happy i got what we need let's move on to the next scene and they're panicking Okay, now Peter knew what was right. going on, but the NBC guy didn't. <laughs> <laughs> the NBC guy goes, "Wait, whoa, whoa, what are you, what are you talking about? What are you? How can, how can you move on?" And I said, "Listen, um, I've got this like cool visual thing in my head. <laughs> this is going to be like really when you see it, it's going to be." really avant-garde and really cool and he goes to peter casey and he goes what, what and peter goes oh yeah yeah no we okayed it this is that's what we're gonna do yeah so he went along he, that's great that's great they went along with it <laughs> and, and, and he, then he didn't stay for pickups i was just gonna ask yeah <laughs> you know you so think he, he'd stay for for pickups and then would see oh okay this is what we were doing so I imagine when he got the rough cut, he just like held his breath. Like, <laughs> what was that? No, nobody was fired. <laughs> nobody was fired. <laughs> That's great. That's it a great story. It was really fun. I would say 
90% of the crew stayed with the show for mm-hmm. most of the run. Nobody I mean, it wanted was a to very leave. close-knit group, and it made it easier for me in directing my first show that I knew all the camera guys and the prop guy and the sound mm-hmm. guy, and the actors had seen me on the stage for four years, so right. I knew all of them. It made it a lot easier. Well, a lot of the directors I talked to uh, said when it was their first time, the, because they had done other things on the show, they, there was a forgiveness for first time directing and, and making mistakes. Uh, one, of, one of the guys was also an editor, so he could fix any of his directing mishaps uh, later in, in post-production. Uh, but, but there was, there was a, a, an ease in, in directing for your first time because the cast w- was very forgiving and they would actually you know, encourage the new directors because they had been on set. They knew what they were doing. They just needed time to really establish themselves. Right. So it was show night, and we're set for the very first scene. And they go, okay, we have sound, Mark, ready. And I'm looking at the quad split, making sure that each camera is where it's supposed to be to start the scene. And Tim Daly goes, Ken, say action. fun it was great well fun group this this was this was really fun uh, uh as you can tell i have great affection for, oh yeah for wings and everybody does everybody i talked to had great they didn't want it to end they were you know eager to move on to other things but they just did not want it to end it was such a fun experience for all eight seasons they would have done a ninth <laughs> they would have jumped tell in. us again where we can find this book and the name of it uh, there once was a show from Nantucket, a complete guide to TV's wings. And uh, the name is Bob Leschak, and it's a bunch of consonants put together. I need to buy some vowels, but they're expensive. They're $250. <laughs> but, they, you know, in, inflation has never affected vowels, <laughs> if you think about it. <laughs> That's true. They've always been $250. Uh, you can find it at bearmannermedia.com on the World Wide Web, amazon.com. It's available in both paperback and hardcover. The hardcover's a little bit more. There's almost 200 pictures. There's almost 100 people quoted and 430 pages of fun. Uh, we've only touched on the subject here today. Uh, I hope you'll uh, buy the book with that Christmas money you have left over. <laughs> That's right. And we look forward to Big Wave Dave's. Yes. <laughs> Next in line. Any Next day now. Line. I'll uh, have you back for that. Okay, I'd be be tickled to come back. (laughs) Be a very short conversation. Thanks, Rob. (laughs) Thank you. And that will do it for my two-part interview with Rob Leshak, who wrote the book, There Once Was a Show from Nantucket, a complete guide to the TV sitcom Wings. Our thanks, as always, to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, to Howard Hoffman, John Wolfert, Bruce and Jason Miller, and I am reachable through... Email. You can email me at any time and I will write you back. Hollywood Levine at Outlook.com. That's Hollywood Levine at Outlook.com. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at Ken Levine. I'm in Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. If you haven't already, please subscribe. And uh, on iTunes, I could always use a five star review. Thanks so much for listening. Stay safe and I'll talk to you again next week. Hollywood and Levine.
Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.